much love. Oh baby, you're the only thing in this whole world that's pure and good and right. And wherever you are and wherever you go, there's always going to be some light. But I've got to get out. I've got to break out now before the final crack of dawn. So we've got to make the most of our one night together. Because when it's over, you know, we'll both be so alone. Like a bat out of hell, I'll be gone when the morning comes. It's episode 32, season 3. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Get up on the highway. That's what I was thinking of when you were, oh. I was going in a different direction with, I was going easy rider and you were going for yes. meat loaf and I respect it. Hello, Renee. Hello, Julie. You know, I was going to read like the really gross part where it's like, <laughs> he's fucking hit the curb and he is dying and foaming and gross on the ground. And he's like, is that a bell? Is that a bell? <laughs> he's like, then he just like sees his heart. Like he's, he's like astral projecting over his body and his heart is still beating. Then he breaks out of his body like a bat out of hell. And I was like, you know, that's not the most romantic part of this song. So I'm just going to backtrack a little. Big fan, though. Big fan. I mean, <laughs> when I found out that um, It's All Coming Back to Me Now was originally mm. written for Meatloaf. It was not. Yes, it was. It was not. I did my research on this because somebody brought this up to me earlier. Okay, so it was originally offered to Meatloaf? Is that what it was? Mm. No, 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 no. Let me. I will okay. tell you the whole okay. story because I I live for this and I've gone down a deep, deep rock opera hole recently, so okay. I can answer all of these questions. Okay. okay. So for folks so. who are who are listening, it's all coming back to me now. Is a Céline Dion classic that is yes. very much a rock opera of a jam. And I guess there was an internet rumor that Renee will put to bed that it was originally offered to Meatloaf. But when that tidbit factoid circulated, I was like. I can see him crushing this song. And I guess we, we can 100%. both agree Meatloaf would have also crushed that song, but I'm glad it stayed in the arms of Sidney. Now tell us, what is the history of It's All Coming Back to Me Now? So there's a little composer called Jim Steinman. Jim Steinman is known for his rock operas. And he's best known for a rock opera that he wrote about vampires. <laughs> um... So I think, you know, I think you're right in that he, Meatloaf did turn down the song, but Jim Steinman has beef with Meatloaf. Um, and so he will stand by and say that like, no, 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 it was always meant to be for someone else. Um, now, other fun fact, he also wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart or Total Eclipse of the Sun. And so, but Meatloaf, will straight up say like that was supposed to be my song and Jim Steinman's like it was never meant to be your song and I'm like fuck the beef the beef but yes you can actually go into like Jim Steinman's um collection and like Total Eclipse of the Sun um of, of the heart of the heart sorry yeah. I keep saying Hassan it was supposed to be it was part of that vamp- vampire rock opera as was Bad Out of Hell but they're on separate things yeah Okay. Yeah, and then there's this other singer that did all the background vocals on Bad Out of Hell. You know the Paradise by the Dashboard Light? Yes. So she's oh. not the one that's in the music video. They put someone else in there who I think looks like Shelley Duvall. So I was thinking Shelley Duvall singing that with uh, Meatloaf, but it's not. But the person who did the, vo- the, the singing for that track, she has her own whole rock opera history with Jim Steinman. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, Jim Steinman does not love Meatloaf. However, Bad Out of Hell is his opus <laughs> so, exactly so. you're like yeah. oh man and anyways you know i love i love some some gossip and reheating old beef so thank you for that um tidbit so welcome this week our theme which is how we got to this sidebar about meatloaf is <laughs> vroom vroom bitches yeah that's our theme and the reason why um i have a book under the theme of Vroom Vroom Bitches is because Uh Renee found a few motorcycle books when you were out thrifting and you sent me one. And so, and you sent it to me with literally a post-it note on the front that said for our Vroom Vroom Bitches week. And I was like, nailed it. Got it. 
I can see yeah. your vision and I want to be a part of it. <laughs> but I know already, every, having spoken to you before the show, that I, I sent you another dud. And oh. I think we, we, we you just aren't, you cannot read any more books that I've sent you. You just can't do it. You have to give give them away, burn them, pull a gen in and just yeah. burn the books, whatever <laughs> you need to do. But you need to get them out of your house because they are cursed. They are absolutely cursed. And um, for longtime listeners of the show, thank you. We love you. For new listeners, we usually talk a bit about our books, talk a bit about the author, and then we do a little reenactment, um, put a little spin on it, maybe throw an accent on there, throw a little spice. Uh, I am not going to be doing a reenactment of my book this week because it was infuriating and I refuse mm. to be a part of it. So I'm giving you all a heads up. Don't expect a terrible accent from me this week. Also, my book was set in America, so there wouldn't really be a good accent anyway. Um, but can I tell you about my book, Renee? About sure my can. reading journey this week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was called Writing Steel. But Steel oh. was spelled S-T-E-E-L-E. <gasps> Is there somebody called Steel? Well, I'll tell you all about him. But I will tell you that, as per usual, you're gonna want to check out our Instagram and Twitter because we post the covers of our books every week. And this one has uh, just the lower, like, basically from the mouth down on a ripped, like, I'm talking veins popping, ripped, um, man in, like, a tank top leaning up against a bike. He doesn't have any tattoos, and all of the men in this book are described as being heavily tattooed. But Mm -hmm. besides Mm -hmm. that misleading detail um riding steel is book one in the ready to ride series and it's written by opal Carew, who is the pen name of an american wow. author of over 15 romance novels oh and this one's from 2015 so not that old but i will say an important detail very much before me too exploded <laughs> And um, so just important to know that. So I'm, for the purposes of this conversation, I'm just going to keep calling him Steely Dan because that's just like how I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because that is how I kept thinking of him the entire time. So Steely Dan is tasked with kidnapping, and I say that in quotes, a beautiful woman named Lori because her brother is out of town for a couple weeks and he is deeply concerned that her new boyfriend, Donovan is abusive and shitty and he needs them to keep an eye on her. Now, Steely Dan is part of a biker gang. Steely Dan at one point argues that they're not criminals, but none of them have jobs and they just ride around in their little gang of motorcycles. So I'm thinking, what are you even doing for a job, sir? Are you a barista at Starbucks? I'm not judging. I just want to know. So Steely Dan is tasked with kidnapping this woman. So they go to this pub for his birthday and they see that she's there and they're like, okay, are we going to do it? And he's like, no, she seems okay. Uh, also, she is a smoke show. So she comes in wearing this tight black dress with these like sky high stilettos. And her boyfriend is like extremely well dressed and seems to be very kind. And there's another couple sitting with them and they seem very posh and put together. And so Steely Dan is thinking this woman doesn't need to be rescued. Like I'll keep an eye on her. But there's no reason for me to, like, kidnap this woman and keep her under my protection for two weeks until her brother comes back. He seems fine. So it's his birthday. He decides to get wasted, have a time. But then one of the other bikers in the gang is like, hmm, that man just put a very huge, shiny diamond collar around her neck as an anniversary present for their six-month anniversary. And she doesn't look that happy about it. And now that I'm looking closer, she's fidgeting in her dress. She doesn't seem that comfortable. So maybe she's not okay. Well, Steely Dan goes off, gets wasted. The rest of the gang are kind of hanging out. And then one of them sees him, Donovan, kind of drag her out of the bar. And he's like, no, my gut is telling me this is not okay. So um, I'm going to spare you all the details because this is my biggest beef about this book. Is it? It's incredibly graphic in terms of sexual assault. And it doesn't, Um. and it seems to be one of those terrible, like, women in fridge type tropes of, like, this woman keeps constantly being raped or almost raped, and therefore Ah. these men need to save her. Yeah, so Donovan drags her back out to the car, basically tries to rape her in the parking garage. 
another one of the uh, wild card because they all have gangster names. So wild card <laughs> catches them um, and beats the shit out of them basically and picks her up and drags her off into on her bike. And obviously she's like bewildered because not only did this man just try to sexually assault her, but when wild card came to intervene, he was like, oh, what you want to turn? thousand bucks i'll let you bang her any way you want like just gross so she's all bewildered like what the fuck is happening and then she's being swept away by this guy that she's like on the one hand he saved me but did he really save me because he literally threw me over his shoulder and threw me on a motorcycle so um she is driving and um they go up to this cottage and then steely dan is there and she is struck by how smoking hot he is and it's all these hot dudes in this gang but she is literally handcuffed to the bed because they don't want her to run away. And they're basically trying to convince her that we're here to help. We're not going to hurt you. We're here to help. And she's like, well, um, you have me handcuffed to a bed and I'm just wearing this little black dress and some stiletto heels. So like, I don't really believe that you're going to be looking out for me, which fair. Yeah. But the author constantly paints it as this woman's frankly, post-traumatic stress disorder is written off as like, annoying or like whiny or like she's being a baby and then you find out that like donovan was sadistic sexually and he was like constantly sexually assaulting her and it goes into incredible fucking detail of how this man would torture her and you're like is this for effect is this supposed to be hot again we are not here to yuck people's yums and i do think there's room for people to explore things in writing that they wouldn't necessarily ever do because they're not real people so you can make stuff up but it was really uncomfortable to read so yeah this woman is strapped to this bed and then you find out that um it's a group of mostly men and there's one woman her name is raven Raven gives her some of her clothes so she doesn't have to wear this dress. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Then in the morning, they like let her roam basically. And then they keep thinking because she's wearing Raven's clothes that she is Raven. And so the dudes keep coming up to her and trying to fuck her. And then she turns around and she's like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, sorry, I thought you were Raven. Because Raven belongs to Rip, the one particular gangster, but they all share her. So she's routinely just gang banged by these bikers and they just share her and she loves, 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 just meow, 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 eating dick all day, loves it. Uh, the one positive thing that I will say is during this one giant orgy scene, two of the guys are like sucking each other's dicks and like jerking each other off. And I'm like, oh, there's like some queer, like these dudes are bi, which frankly, men like, Anytime there's groups of men, there's often homoeroticism, right? So it's like, I'm unsurprised that bikers would also be sucking each other off. But um, so she's like stuck in this cottage being told that she's being taken care of, being told that this is for her best interest and that, you know, if she were to run away, her boyfriend would kill her. But she's looking around and she's like, I have no reason to trust you people, which again, I don't disagree, Lori. You're trusting your judgment. But oh God, she's so thirsty for steel. And Steele keeps acting like he is there to help her, but then is constantly turned on by her and she's uncomfortable. And then at one point he's like trying to be nice to her or something. And she's like, I don't trust you. He's like, fine, I'll put you back to bed. Handcuffs her to the bed, then sits there and makes her watch him jerk off. And she's like, ooh, she's like into it. It's just like fucking disturbing. So there's so many like flashbacks to her being sexually assaulted by donovan or him just being abusive in some way at one point she escapes from the cottage runs up the street is like finds a cop car flags it down she's like oh my god oh my god thank you so much thank you so much she's like yeah i'm gonna take care of you drives off and then calls the the bikers and tells them oh i i picked up Lori for you because he's in their pocket he's in cahoots with them and they, the cop is like, look, this really is for your best interest. I've arrested Donovan, your ex-boyfriend, multiple times for heinous crimes of violence against women. He's a horrible serial abuser. You are better off with these bikers. And then she decides, okay, sure, I'll sort of kind of trust these dudes. Um, so then they fuck, and it's consensual, but it's clear that he's very do- like dominant. So steel is a top in a big way and like needs women to submit to him and then they're like there's all these scenes where he's like 
okay, you want to go for a walk? And then they, she goes for a walk and then she sees like all of them just banging in the lake. And he's like, yeah, that's what we do. And she's like, you just, he just like shares his girlfriend with everyone. And he's like, yeah, because we all trust each other. So then Steele goes and like DPs this woman in front of Lori and Lori's into it. Like, sacrama. Anyways, then this is going on and I'm like, I have no idea how long this woman's stuck in this cottage. But then they get a call from their cop buddy to say, hey, heads up. Uh, someone's going to come to that cottage and arrest her because her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend has argued that she stole this million dollar necklace from him. And so he's reported as a theft and they're going to come and get her. Obviously it's not a theft. Obviously this is just his way of getting back to her. So Steele swoops her up and says, we got to bounce. So they hit the road. Um, they pull over on the side of the road at one point, then they all have an orgy together. She's in there getting DP'd by all these people, taking it every which way. They're all having a time. It's this bonding exercise. And they're like, we're together forever. Oh God. They're on the lamb, full Bonnie and Clyde with their whole monster <laughs> fucking truck situation. Um, and then at one point, one of the other guys starts flirting with her and she starts flirting back. And she's thinking like, well, you know, Steele let me fuck him and said he loves watching me be with other men. So okay, I'll reciprocate your flirting. Steele comes up, punches him in the face. He's like, don't touch my woman. And she's like, your woman? I don't belong to you. And he's like, yeah, you do. And then she's like, okay. And gets all turned on by it. Then um, they want her to join the crew. They're like, join the road with us. We'll just be renegades on the road. And she's like, I don't know. I have a life to go back to. And they're like, stay with us. Then their intermediary cop connection says, hey, Donovan is willing to drop the charges if you can return the necklace by 10 o'clock tonight. And they're thinking, that sounds great, but we're like many hours away. And he's like, not willing to negotiate. So we got to get there by 10. Well, it's an obvious fucking setup. Donovan kidnaps her, then turns her into a sex slave. And there's just graphic details of her being locked up in a cage and like all this horrific stuff happening to her. Sure enough, Steele and his crew burst through the doors. They save her. Then they tie Donovan up and they leave him in the cage. They later find out Donovan is found dead. And they're now concerned that they're going to be investigated for the murder. But then again, their little cop connection says, nope, when we found him, he was outside of his cage um, and had fallen and hit his head and was dead. So he's dead now. He's out of your life. You don't have to worry about him anymore. Um, and she's like, oh my God, great. So she decides to head back to her house now that it's safe for her to do so. And Steele comes with her and Steele keeps trying to put the moves on her. But now she's traumatized again because she was made into a sex slave. And Steele is getting frustrated because she's triggered from being a sex slave. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then at one point she, like confesses to him that she loves him and he's like you will never work because i'm a nomad and i'm a dominant person sexually and i would have to hide who i am and i'm not willing to do that and you shouldn't have to oh i'm telling you it was terrible (laughs) and you shouldn't have to give up your life and then so he leaves and she's all just like just heartbroken so she quits her job sells her house no goes to the biker bar they always hang out at waits for them to show up and is like i'm back and all the other members of the crew are like yes awesome so happy to hear that you're back we love it like we're so pumped to have you and steals all like prickly and pissed and he's like this is never gonna work you don't love me get away from me he's all pissy the fuck? then finally acknowledges because his friends call him in and they're like dude you fucking love this woman just accept that you love this woman this is what's going on and then they have a conversation and she's like i'm willing to let you be dominant towards me i'll submit to you you just have to be patient and he's like what if i push you too hard and she's like you won't so then her and raven the other woman decide that they're going to prove their commitment to the group no so they go and get tattoos of biker babes on their ass cheeks and they come back and she's like see you own me now and he's like i love you and then the book ends with a picture of a biker babe tattoo (laughs) (laughs) oh my god this is this has got to be the worst story and not like i'm not saying writing i mean like content this has to be the worst in ravage love history 
and Absolutely. I'm responsible for it. And you know what really blows my mind, Renee, is that this book was 271 pages. It is a book, like it's a physical book. This is not something yeah. that someone, you know, self-published on Kindle, which sometimes we'll find, you know, self-published thing on Kobo or Kimball. And it's really dark and really fucked up. And you're like, yeah, because someone self-published this. So they went to a really dark place. Yeah. This is a book that you could buy at like chapters. Um, yeah. And it is and like it, what blows my mind is that when you start, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen blurbs. Everything from wow. like a rom like twin fantasies, Regency Reader, the Romance Reviewers, going on and on and on about like her books are amazing, utterly hot, intense, fierce, and passionate. Ms. Carew's writing style is amazing. Top pick. She's a genius at spinning the most erotic stories by tapping into forbidden fantasies and visiting emotions that bring the characters literally to their knees. A steamy hot read. So much fun to read. Like, literally, just... And I'm like... So, yeah, anyways, when Pepper started barking, I agreed 100% with her that I was just like, yeah, who are these people that are giving this? Now, this is my... This is the complexity for me. The consensual sex scenes were some of the spiciest sex scenes I've ever read. And there were moments of incredible consent. Like when they're having this big old gangbang orgy situation, he checks in with her multiple times on whether or not she's okay with it. And she checks in multiple times to be like, are you sure you're okay if I go and fuck your friends? And he was like, yes, I am. And then they even had like a safe word for like stop everything or just change it up and slow down. So you're like, okay that works so then why so it's like she clearly gets it like the author clearly understands that consent is the bedrock of the kink lifestyle but then gives us extremely graphic descriptions of violent non-consensual kink and i can't wrap my head around what the intent is with that is it to be titillating or is it to drive home that this is not consensual but this is like, I don't know if she thinks she's, like, being educational by being like, let me show you what real kink is, which is healthy and consensual, and then juxtapose it with violence. But I don't know. I don't know. Were what there are any you, sort like, of, like, trigger warnings at the beginning? Because sometimes that, that's there, right? It'll tell you. No. And I'm telling you, like, the 18 reviews or 20 or whatever it was beforehand are all very much, like, so hot, so hot, super sexy, like... Wow. So yeah, there's th- was this six books by... in this series. <laughs> oh my god, was it written by a woman? Yeah, doing. Oh my god, yeah. You know, do do you think maybe they read Fifty Shades and were pissed and was like, "Well, I'll show you something." <laughs> maybe, like, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know. Wow. I don't know what is going on here. But I looked up the author and I found like her, you know, legal name and all that stuff. And she, yeah, absolutely is. Um. Like a woman, like a middle-aged woman living in the U.S., mm. just like Doodaloo, has is like a mother, has a husband, like is a real person. What do they typically write? All this kind of stuff. Oh. It's really? all like romance, erotica type shit. So like fulfill all your wildest fantasies with Opal Carew. She has like the twin fantasies book. And, and then like literally the RT book review says, and I quote, beautiful erotic romance, real and powerful. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't. <sighs> wow. Anyway, so that was my experience of reading about bikers, which, um, yeah, not great. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, enough about riding steel. Oh, and by the way, the reason why I forgot to mention it, the reason why he's, his nickname is steel is because he and again a detail that otherwise would just tickle me. He looks like uh Remington Steel. Um <laughs> and my childhood so I have three kind of two are my own age, but my first like childhood crush that was like a man was Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> nice. Oh, loved like in the era of when he was James Bond, that was like when I was a tween. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, tomorrow never dies. And neither do I. Um, and <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm digging this. Like, he looks like Pierce Brosnan. Fuck yeah, I'm into it. 
he um is like a bit like i've never been one and i think maybe that's it too it's like i've never been one for bad boys ever mm, like i've yeah. never been like ooh, he looks like he's in trouble with the law i'm like no <laughs> i like nerdy rule followers so maybe that's also why i'm just like <laughs> yeah anyways i just i tried so hard i tried so hard but i read it i didn't skip anything i was just like i gotta find a way to redeem this book and ultimately um even on the spice factor like on the actual consensual stuff i'd give it five out of five but be- as a whole uh-huh. zero because i was like you can't redeem it just because you had a spicy scene if you had several pages of detailed rape like no doesn't yeah doesn't yeah Mm-mm. so anyways tell me what did you read this week well, okay. So I just want to, I want to come back to just the fact that we're doing motorcycles. So a few years ago, Julie and I uh, went on a road trip to the Hoodoos and we went to this haunted hotel bar. And I remember that it was in like the smallest town in Canada or something like there's like population three. Mm-hmm. And I remember that by the bathroom, there was this big aerial photo of this biker meetup for the hell's angels from like the nineties um, because they would have their biker meetups there. Cause there was nobody there. It was like population three. Right. <gasps> and I remember you could see like just all these topless women in it. They were just like, yeah, motorcycles. <laughs> like just, yes. And then I also just was always thinking about like King of the Hill. or Like <laughs> Peggy has to like drive Hey Cove. Um, and I love it. So, <laughs> um i'm i'm really sorry i sent you that book i didn't have a bad reading experience um i did have a book that i was gonna read but when i looked it was like the third in a trilogy and i was like i can't do that to my heart again oh yeah there's too too much much to know too much to know so i went online to look for a book and I was immediately captivated by the fact that like almost everything was a daddy book or a protector book or like an age gap book. And it was always like men always, you know, being the daddies like I have to protect her. But then I was like, you know what? Yeah, I I could be in the mood for a daddy book. All right. But then they were like, I don't know if I'm ready to have a little again. I was like, no, mm -mm, no, I can't. You know what? I've been in a situation where I went to like, I want to call it a dungeon, but it was in a community center. Um, And there was like a little there. And I've never, I didn't know what that was. This is pre-Ravage Love. So I didn't know what that was. And as a mother of Mm. daughters. Yeah. Age play. You can't fuck with that. I can't do that. It's. I don't want to have people say, I don't, I don't, I don't, but it's yucky to me. That one is yucky to me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not, you, you know what? Offer the bimbo. Offer the bimbo. You want to be a bimbo and be like, oh, daddy. Like, great. But don't be like, I'm just a little girl and I'm here at this weird sex dungeon. And oh, daddy, could you just, like, fuck, gross, gross. It's gross. Sorry. That's the, that's the you one. I think we're allowed on this show to each have one yum that we can yuck consequence free. So That's that mine. one's not mine. I can, I, it's not my kink, but I can understand it. But you are entitled to yucking that yum as a mother of daughters. Yuck away. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't even say that there's another one I could think of that I would be like, no, like I could say not for me, but I can understand why that would, as long as it's consensual. Yeah, as yeah. long as it's consensual, as long as there are boundaries and rules, yeah, like, cool. yeah. And I'm sure that existed in this situation. I, in fact, I know it did because I was I was there watching it. Um, still awful, just awful. But I digress. So I was not prepared to read a daddy and little book. <laughs> then I thought for a second, I was like, "There's got to be something else." Well, Julie, dikes on bikes, dikes on bikes. Did you I, find a fucking dikes on bikes book, Renee? Not only did I find a fucking dike oh on God. bikes. I found a Dia de, la Mors- de like Los Mortos book for the first week of November. Oh my God, Renee. I'm not you fucking are- kidding. You have a gift. You have I- a gift. Yeah. And I will say it wasn't, it wasn't very spicy and I'll get into why, but it, it, it was good. It was an excellent story. It was excellently written. I hope there's a sequel to it. 
Um, it says that it's the first in the series that came out in 2020. Um, I hope there's a next one because I hope the next one has the serious fucking that sh- this one should have had. But they were solving a mystery in this one. You know, I love a mystery. I'm sorry. Is it Dykes, Bikes, and Nancy Drew themes? Because no. this is, I am the circle of this Venn diagram. <laughs> Ooh, it, yeah. So the author of my book is Poppy Woods. And um, she loves writing reverse harem and like polyamorous things. Um, she writes MF and like FF. And she is like a mom and she just like fucking loves writing romance. It's just her bag. Um, lots. She's written tons of books, tons of books, lots of series. Um, and this one was called um, uh, souls of flames from the Renas assassinas series, a paranormal MC lesbic. Um, good. Okay. So we're in East LA. And Inez is getting her altar ready for um, Dia de los Muertos because it's a celebration now. Inez lost her mother and her brother in a car crash um, because of gang activity in their East LA neighborhood. And her mother died um, and her brother was internally decapitated, which was a very specific detail. One I didn't know was a real thing, but... um, poppy decided to put in this book um internally decapitated interesting can't say i've ever heard of that before yeah i guess glass entered his body and he was decapitated internally yeah anyway very sad very sad so she's she's getting her little altar ready and um you know to celebrate and she's waiting for her friend yolanda to come and she has something really really important to tell yolanda and it's that um somebody in their uh club or their gang or whatever um is working with a rival gang now fast forward or i guess rewind to um the childhood of inez and yolanda so inez has lost her her parents and she and yolanda like tweens they're youths and they're walking in the streets of of east la and they are in an alley and then they get accosted by like these cholos who are like licking their lips around their hands like yum 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 and um they're like let's fucking get out of here so they book it they get out of there and yolanda decides we're not safe in this neighborhood this neighborhood's not safe for women and girls and marginalized people so we're gonna start a gang and so inez's brother tia gives them a gun and yolanda hangs on to it and the gang is called Reinas Assassininas, which means murder queens. <laughs> fuck. Oh, fuck. I love it. Fucking murder queens. So they um, end up driving this big bad gang called the Kings out. Um, and then they kind of take over the neighborhood and make sure that people are safe. Like they don't take like protection money or anything, but like they handle the drugs if that means that it's being used more responsibly. They make sure that like sex workers are not being beaten up. Like if there's like pimps coming in, they fucking drive them out of there. They're not, they're not afraid to kill people if they have to, but only if they have to, because they want to make sure people are safe. in their So we're in the future and Inez is waiting for Yolanda to show up. Inez is no longer part of this gang and they don't call it a gang and they call it a club, but it's a gang. So she's no longer part of it. She's, but, but Yolanda is her best friend and she wants to make sure that, you know, she knows what's going on in this club. Um, but before that can happen, there's a knock at her door and she opens it and somebody comes in and she's like, you need to get out of here. Cause Yolanda's going to be here any second. And I'm going to tell her everything that I saw. And she's like, no, you're not. And then they kill Inez cold, blood. they beat her up and they shoot her in the head. Like as she's trying to make her little altar. Wow. It's awful. Yeah. So then later Yolanda shows up and finds her dead and she's just like completely torn apart. Cause it's like her best friend. And she's like, a vengeance will be mine and all of that and so she's talking with the cops and the cops are like i'm pretty sure this was you and she's like literally was not but like fuck you anyway um then the next chapter takes us to i'm gonna try okay so mictlan mict mictlan uh which is the home of mictlan tekuhitli who is the sure. god of death lord of mm-hmm. death yeah and we're meeting it, it the the um i guess the person in this is the is miktikakihuatl um 
also known as the Lady of Death. So who the people are praying to during Dio de los Mardos is, is her. And then like the author put in like the whole history of like who she is and why she was there. And the important thing of this is that she was actually a human during like Aztec times. And um, as an infant, she was sacrificed um, to keep a plague away from her community. So they threw her into a volcano. And oh. I was like, that's pretty fucking metal. Yeah, um, very metal. It's like, no, no, no. But what they didn't know was that actually the reason that the God, the Lord of Death wanted this was so that he would have like a mate. But um, they're very clear that like the Lord of Death has never forced himself on her. And she's like, I don't know why, because he could. And he's like shitty to her and they're married and stuff. But like he's never had sex with her or anything. So whatever. So she's never actually left this underworld, this like this like land of bones or whatever. She never left it. But that's going to change because f- something happens where she just gets ripped out of this space and she wakes up in like a cold metal room. Well, she wakes up in Inez's body and it's because with Inez's dying breath, she sent out a prayer to the lady of death to avenge her. And she doesn't know why this has happened because like people pray to her all the time, but she gets sucked in and she's like, okay. And so she knows she has to accomplish the thing. So she is in the corpse of this woman who's been shot in the head. She's kind of like walks out of there. But the difference now is that her face is like a sugar skull. It's like all painted but it's not paint right Mm -hmm. so she can walk around no problem because it's the festival which is like a week long in this um and children can recognize who she is um but like adults can't and they also know her as like la katrina so they're like oh it's la katrina la katrina so she goes to the apartment trying to get clues and then yolanda shows up she's like who the fuck are you and she's like i'm the fucking goddess and she's like i don't believe you so then they go on this journey where they're like, yeah, we're going to try and find out who killed Inez. And Yolanda doesn't believe Katrina at first is what she calls her. Um, but then she takes her over to Inez's Ab- Abuelita's home. And Ab- Abuelita's like, I know that's uh, that's like Katrina. I know who that is. And she's like, oh, I guess this is for real. Um, and so we learn that like Katrina has like all these fucking fire powers. And so all these cholos are like, Hey mommy, let me get up on you. And she's like, fuck no. And like lights them on fire and shit. It's really cool. Um, and then Abuelita comes over and she's like, come to my house. And we find out that the reason that, um, Inez was able to summon, uh, like Katrina into her body was because they're the ancestors of the priestess who threw her baby into the volcano so it wasn't bruja they're not witches they're fucking her descendants yeah and i was like what that's crazy um so yeah then they end up they find out that it was actually one of the people in their own gang who was like best friends with yolanda who actually like betrayed and murdered inez and they end up killing her because uh, that's what you do to send a message. And uh, then at the end of the book, I, I got to like 80% of my book and I was like, there was no fucking. Like they kind of start having some tension, but like that's it. Because like they're on a mission. But in the very last few pages of the book, they go to fuck. They don't fuck. They, it, they don't fuck in this book. It's like the very last few chapters. They're going upstairs to do that. So it's alluded um, to. It's alluded to, but it was still spicy when they're mm. when she's like, she's like, you know, I've I'm still a virgin. I've never been with anybody. She's like, but I thought you were married. She's like, is it selfish of me to want something for myself before I have to go back to that world? And she's like, nope. So and because of course they're both real gay, like Katrina and Yolanda, they go and banging out. And so I hope there's a second book, and I hope that there is spicy spice in it because. Just from the end scene where they're like coming on to each other, that was that edged me enough mm. that I was like, I wish this book was longer because I want to I wanted to read the fuck scene. Now, I would absolutely read anything else by this author because and some of the reviews I read from like real review websites were saying that like every book she writes gets stronger and stronger. And this book was extremely well written. 
exchange like oh. it was great and it really wasn't romantic um until the end and it but it was it was really beautifully written like i've read a lot of books that are like a mystery or are a suspense and like you kind of know that there's some tension between the people or like whatever um and it's kind of like eh. i did not care that <laughs> there was no romance in this and didn't even realize it until i was at 80 percent of the book um and I was like, okay, well, I guess it's going to be another another dud for the show. But then it was like, oh, they're in the bar together alone. I was like, okay. You're like, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. So really liked it. Um, I will give it a five out of five out of Spice. Just because they they got me at the end. It was a good bamboozle. I it was like a good bamboozle. Yeah. And like a slow burn can work. So my question now, now yeah. that we know the Spice factor, mm-hmm. what sex toy would you put with this book? I'm so glad you asked, Julie. Um, just a little thing called the Vibrator, which is, quote, oh. miles of smiles. And what it is is a vibrator that fits onto a motorcycle seat. Fuck. It works on all motorcycles, all seats. Creates, quote, good vibrations. Guaranteed, quote, joyride. Um, pleasing bikers for over a decade. And it's a deal closer. Fast and easy to install. The ultimate motorcycle accessory. Are you for real? It's only $129. Putting the vibration where it counts since 1999. Real, real thing. And it's got like the most fucking GeoCities website I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh my. Maybe that's what my gang was doing to make money is that they were selling. <laughs> they were selling. Oh my God. I love that so much. Okay. What are you going to read for us? If you can't read anything spicy. I, I am actually going to read the part of the end. Oh, yes. And I also want to mention that like the cover looks like an Ed Hardy shirt, like <laughs> in a big way. Um, but I loved it. Okay. Also, wait, how long was your book? Um, it's hard to talk because it was an ebook. Um, it, I think it's at like a hundred and fifty some pages. Felt a little bit longer than that. Okay, um, so it's definitely not like a short story. No, it okay. said a two hour read, and okay. I would say it was probably about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're gonna read us some sexual tension. I love it. Hit me. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm gonna not do a Spanish accent for this. Um, Thank you. You know, and I. There's a lot of Spanish on my mom's side. They're all French and Spanish, but there are no Spanish speaking people in my family. So as although I can do a Spanish accent, I feel like it's appropriative. So I'm not going to do that. Just know that I can. <laughs> Just um, know that you can, but we don't want this to be taken as a slight against folks from Mexico. So absolutely good not, especially. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure she admits. I know you're interested in me. I am. God, I didn't mean to say that out loud. I take another swig from the bottle, and when I put it down, Katrina stands before me. My hand darts out to caress her cheek, the tattooed skin. I can't convince myself to think of it as any uh, anything more than tattoos, soft beneath my fingers. I am interested, too. Her voice lacks all the power I'm used to hearing from her, all that magic, all that promise of death that usually forces me to listen to whatever she's saying is gone. Instead, she sounds meek, shy. I swallow hard. Katrina. Her lips press to mine and my arms come around her. The sound of glass shattering against the hard floor rings in my ears, but I don't care. Her lips are so hot, so full of a promise I desperately want to fulfill. God forgive me, a voice whispers inside my mind, but the laughter that rings behind it is anything but godly. I'm not sure if I even believe Katrina, that she's a virgin at this point. Are you drunk too? I ask her suddenly. I'm fucking wasted, but I've consented enough times to know when I can and when I can't. If she's never done this before, she should be of sound mind so she doesn't do anything she regrets. No, she whispers against my cheek, her lips tracing a fiery path across to my ear. I'm not intoxicated, little mortal. I'll have to leave this place soon and before I do, I want to do something fun for me. She leans back, staring down at me, and I find myself scraping my teeth across my bottom lip as I watch hers move. Do you fault me for it? Is it selfish? I should probably say yes. She has ties to someone where she belongs, a husband or whatever. She's an immortal spirit goddess thing, and I'm just some chola with a bad attitude. But it's not selfish. 
She should do something she wants because something about the way she, um, about the look in her eyes whenever she talks about freedom tells me she hasn't ever really done anything for herself before, ever. And she's been alive for a very long time. Swallowing hard, I shake my head and lean forward, cupping Katrina's cheek with my hand. My lips pluck at her softly until Asaya escapes her lips and I breathe that in. I think I'd be drunk right now even without the tequila. There's something about this woman. If you're sure, Katrina, my hand slides down her back, caressing each bump in her spine until I find her ass. With a groan, I pull her against me and she nods her head. I'm inexperienced, but not inept, Yolanda, she whispers right before her thigh slips between mine and presses against my sex through my jeans. Cursing beneath my breath, I grip her tighter and she chuckles. Upstairs, I whisper. I know the note said the girls would be gone, but it's nearly daylight and they would be back any time. I don't want them to walk in on anything. She deserves privacy, especially for her first time. And see, like, consent, consent, yes. consent, consent. She's like, you good? You good? And she's like, I'm a fucking goddess. So, like, can we just do this, please? Yeah. Ugh. Loved it. And then they run up the stairs and they get freaky. And I need a book, too, to tell me what kind of freaky they got. Yeah, I need details about the freak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well, thank, thank you for you. sharing that with us. And I'm glad... Um. Yeah, I have to say I'm glad our biker week is done, but I do want to revisit it at some point because yeah, I do, I do think it is like I mean obviously it's perfect for a like sub dom relationship situation, but like every Dyke March pre COVID mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. in Ottawa the Dyke March is led by yeah. Ottawa's Dykes on bikes, so. Yeah. Literally every pride I chant like dykes on bikes. We love to see them. <laughs> like literally. So the second you said that, I was like, of course there's dykes on bikes literature. So thank you for giving us that. Um You're so welcome. Also, I want to come back to this because not only is Bad Out of Hell an extremely long song, um, <laughs> there's also two other Bad Out of Hell albums and a musical. But I digress. Didn't the musical only come out recently too? Yeah, it did. But there are two other Bad Out of Hell albums, so. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can handle some rock opera stuff. I mean, I'm one of the, like, three people that enjoyed, um, oh, oh no, what's that movie? I want to keep saying Atlas Shrugged, but it's not that. It's not Ayn Rand. Oh, the one with uh, Paris Hilton? No, no, no. The rock opera with Channing Tatum. And Mila Kunis, made by the Wachowski sisters. Oh, I haven't seen that. I know what you're talking about, but I, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, it's a rock opera movie that absolutely bombed at the box office. And I was like, <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> um, so like, clearly I have it in me um, to, to enjoy these things, but oh my gosh, how can I'm, I'm googling this right now i will not rest wachowski but i can't even i tried to do that but it came up with forgetting sarah marshall <laughs> what they're not yeah. part of that i know i know it's not at all but that's what it came up with when i put in rock opera okay uh, jupiter Atlas ascending Clap- jupiter ascending jupiter ascending i didn't know that was a musical no it's a it's a rock opera it's not a musical but it's a rock opera well i mean like to I mean, in the context of a movie, it's tomato, tomato. Fair. Like, do they okay. sing in it? Uh, no. Oh, then it's not. Then the movie's not a rock opera. You gotta sing in it. But I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It has a rock opera vibe to it, um, and it's like how it's categorized in most places. No, it's I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely thinking of Jupiter ascending. Yeah. Cause Channing Tatum flies around in rollerblades. It's like a lot. It's a lot. Um, but there's like repo, the genetic opera that Paris Hilton is in. And that's a, that's a rock opera. Like Tommy is a rock opera. Like Rocky horror is a rock opera. Oh, Rocky horror. I understand. But, um, so you've never seen Jupiter ascending. No. Oh my god. You need it has a <laughs> it has a twenty eight percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> uh. It has a twenty-eight 
8% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 40% on Metacritic, and a 5 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh my like, god. I... And yet, like, it literally has Mila Kunis, Channing Tatum, Sean Bean, what? Eddie Redmayne, what? who's so fucking hot as, like, an effeminate wizard. Um, oh, it and literally Channing Tatum flies through the air. Oh, <laughs> in Rollerblades. And I will have you know... Literally, I'm reading directly from Wikipedia, Jupiter Ascending is a 2015 space opera film written, directed, and co-produced by the Wachowskis. Well, that's different than a rock opera, Julie. Oh, a space opera is different. Very different. Jesus Christ. I'm having a moment where, like, the first time I ever went to Comic-Con and I didn't understand anything, I thought, am I the biggest loser here? Or does that make me the coolest person here? that's how um, i feel right now not knowing the difference between a rock opera and a space opera they're but, very different things but yeah. by definition doesn't the term opera imply that there should be singing or it's not the rock yeah. part that makes it so yeah i don't know why it's considered a space opera but it is and it's one of those movies that is so it's not even obscure it made like 200 million dollars at the box office like it's not yeah. an indie film but like no one knows it and the people who do are like why would you talk about this movie? I'm like, because it's so good. <laughs> you know, but is it is it like does it have powerful music in it? Because I think you, I would, I would personally say you can have an opera without singing if the music was made for the moments in the film. Oh, absolutely. And the Wachowskis. Okay. I mean, if you are, that's my kind of nerd is the Wachowskis. So like the Matrix, yeah. um, like obviously has a bitch, especially the first one, bitchin soundtrack. But like all yeah. of their their uh, like Sense Eight, that show they did on Netflix, same thing. So they are very much into the soundtrack of their stuff. But um, rock operas as music to listen to, there's like three songs that I enjoy, and they're the <laughs> like the cliched ones that everyone knows. I could not listen to the entire album of Bad Out of Hell. Couldn't do oh, it. Like I listen to it regularly. Couldn't. Um, I love it. I love. I love it. I don't like Meatloaf as a human being. Um, I think he's gross, and I don't like him as a character in Bad Out of Hell. But um, dude got pipes. Got pipes, one hundred percent. I love, I love listening to rock operas. Like I would consider Notre Dame de Paris to be a rock opera, even though it's a musical. Oh, absolutely. I would consider it to be a rock opera because it's fucking heavy. Every song slaps. Every song slaps, and I love concept albums where it's like you listen start to finish and it's just like a story i love that yeah. like that album what's that con like it was like sia and diplo and what's his face they did an album and it in my opinion is a concept album if you like listen start to finish it's beautiful same thing there's this band called zeal and ardor who i love and they made a concept album of what if the slaves who were like people who were brought to america to be slaves turned to satan instead of god and they wrote a whole concept it's beautiful like it's beautiful and i love it and so if y'all need some hot um concept album or rock opera suggestions you can just like come and hit us up on instagram because i will slide them dms yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i did Mm -hmm. recently um Remember, actually, I don't want to my memory, but a few years ago, I used to host a radio show, for folks who don't know, for over a decade. And um, I remember interviewing Beja Bulat, who uh, is a yes. perfect, perfect moon baby, and I mm-hmm. will protect her with my life. And her saying that she loves to do exactly like you said, like she loves enjoying an album beginning to end. She loves when it has like a nar- an arc, kind of a narrative to it, and that that's what she strives to do with her albums. And the first album, I mean, when she said that about her albums, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But the first album that I really felt that besides, you know, my dad telling me about like, you know, the Pink Floyd and the wall and all that stuff yeah. was Lemonade, Beyonce's Lemonade, yes, right? Because 100%. like here was a woman and then she literally turned it into a film to show the concept, like the arc throughout. But yeah. I, that was part of the reason why I found Lemonade so profound is that I was like, she is telling a story where you want to listen to this album in order and not just like throw it on shuffle on a playlist you're like no this is an experience an emotional journey that i'm going through with beyonce um yeah there's this album from the decemberists and if you know the decemberists you know them for their sea shanties because that's just who they are they mm -hmm. write sea shanties 
mm-hmm. for the modern world um, about mothers turning to prostitution. Um, but they have this one album called The Hazards of Love, completely standalone. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fit in their catalog. But it, I all, I always imagine it as like on a stage, like or with puppets or something, oh. because it's a whole story. Like I, they, they must have put it together for like a show like something because it's a whole story the only thing is that so colin who is the lead singer of the band he does all the parts for the men in the saw in the in the in the show so there's like the good guy and the bad guy and he does both the voices so you have to listen to it a few times to be like what like who is he what? That's but amazing. it's it's beautiful they have like um they bring in like two other singers uh one of them is from I want to say blonde redhead and she's got, got like um like serious jazz pipes like she does this really great cover of um feeling good on this other album but she does like this forest queen on it and like it's so fucking good and there's a song about this guy who like murders his children it's just beautiful and I cannot recommend it enough like if just Everybody, go find a concept album tonight. Just sit down and listen to it. Yeah. Um, and then actually, report back to Renee because I know. clearly sh- this is her lane. Yeah, it is my lane. Well, you know, um, you know the McElroy brothers. Do you know who they are? They're like big. They're like famous podcasters. Oh um, yes, it says yeah. I was yeah. like, musicians are they? No, yeah, okay. no. They're famous podcasters. Are like like professional podcasters, but they put together a podcast a few years ago. Um, called to blart do we part and what they've done is they've teamed up with these other podcasters in australia and every american thanksgiving they watch paul blart mall cop 2 (laughs) and they've been doing it for years and like but one year one of the brothers paired up paul blart mall cop 2 with the um (laughs) dark side of the moon album (laughs) (laughs) and it's it, they said it syncs up really really well and that's so funny to me so anyway i'm glad we this is where we got after talking about um shitty bikers and dykes on bikes uh, yeah that we came out to rock operas absolutely we came this is an excellent place to end and for folks who are thinking well what other shenanigans are these broads gonna get up to what's our theme for next week renee Mermaids. Do, 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 do. Yes. Uh, so excited. We are going to be talking about fucking mermaids next week. So you are not going to want to miss that. Are we talking about mermaids, mermen, merpeople? Uh, we don't know. We don't know Reverse yet. Reverse mermaids. Reverse mermaids, which is a thing I didn't know existed until you told me, which is when you're a mermaid at the top and a man at the bottom. Do or with just, that information just, what you will. You just have people parts on the bottom. I have a tattoo of that. Um, the Pisces as a story does not count as romantic literature uh, for this show, although it was spicy, but it had a merman in it. Oh, see, I'm just going right to Shape of Water is like where I'm at in my head. Oh my but God, wasn't that movie beautiful? It was. And not just because you and I watched it in a hotel room in Edmonton um, and then deconstructed it for an hour afterwards. But the movie itself is delightful. Uh, disturbing in some ways, but delightful. So yeah, so we mermaids is specific, but broad enough that we might go in all kinds of different directions. I haven't picked my book yet, so I can't even give Neither you a preview. So you're going to want to stick around for that Hot Mess Express next week. Mermaids, coming to you from Robert's Love. Only, you'll only hear it here. That's it. The only place you'll ever find it. Only place we'll transition from bikers to mermaids. <laughs> Nowhere else. Nowhere else will you make that sharp turn, except for right <laughs> here. <laughs> Okay, this was, I mean, I'm so sorry about your book, but I had a good time, so. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you did. I'm gl- Dykes on Bikes will always redeem anything, but in particular this week. Also, like, what? Like, what a find that this particular week, and that was the theme. Yeah, it was Dykes on Bikes and Dios de los Montes, and it was gay. I mean, fuck. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for the yeah. first week of November. Poppy Woods, if you hear this, please write another one. <laughs> make it spicy. Thank you. Do you want to sing us out? Like, are you up for it? You've had a day. Um, I've had a day. I've had a reading adventure, but I will do it. <clears throat> right. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Bye.
artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.